Okay, looks like we're good to go. All right. Hello and welcome to the 39th edition of the Two Black to Nerdy podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Now I'm your host, Chris. And today we have a wonderful host uh, of guests today to discuss all things Marvel. Um, we're going to be going over Black Widow, Loki, and um, talking about our hopes for uh, Marvel What If, which is the next project. But uh, first, um, I want us to go and introduce all of our guests. So um, I guess I'll just pick you guys out one by one. You can say, um, you know, give us your name and talk about what was the first nerdy thing that you ever got into. So um, I'm just gonna go in order that everybody joins. So um, Fern, if you wanna go first, um, you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, yeah, I'm Fern. Um, I'm at always Fern on TikTok. And the first nerdy thing I ever got into, I think was Harry Potter. Um, I was five or six when my mom started reading the books to me and it very quickly became a family obsession. So even though um, my opinion on those books has shifted over time it definitely was this entry point into fandom for me um and and something that was very valuable when i was young okay awesome and uh next we have libby hi i'm libby and i guess the first nerdy thing i really got into was the x-files i've loved them since i was little my mother loves sci-fi and that was like her first introduction for me into it and then it just kind of branched all right great and uh tyrell uh you can go next hey um for oh wait introducing myself all right uh tyrell theories by t on uh tiktok uh t for sure what i prefer um and first and only thing i got into I feel like I also want to say Harry Potter too, but I feel like that's stealing it. Like, I'm fairly certain like the first ever like like regular like full sized book that I read must have been Philosopher's Stone. Um, but assuming we're just like, choosing different ones, then I'd probably say around about that age, I was probably massively obsessed with Power Rangers. Like before, probably before anything else, that's my gateway into being a nerd, and then comic books and the rest. Oh, and uh, by the way, if you guys ever need to plug anything, TikTok, Twitter accounts, Instagram, whatever, just go for it whenever you need to. And um, last, we have Julia. Hi. Yes, so my name is Julia. Um, I think the first thing that I ever got into was Star Wars, and uh, I just fell in love with it, and I always wanted to be a Jedi. <laughs> so, uh, um, so, yeah, I think that was, like, the first uh, entry point into, like, fandoms and being... Just a little nerdy. <laughs> all right, awesome. Yeah, those are all. I mean, I'm familiar with most of those things, except maybe X Files. I've actually never seen, so maybe maybe oh, I'll get around to so one of these days. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I only. I mean, I've only recently seen certain Star Wars things, so I'm I'm really bad sometimes. Like I'll just miss major <laughs> franchises every once in a while. Um. But anyway, yeah, so we're going to get started. Um, so we're going to start off with Black Widow. So it was the first feature-length Marvel film that's been out pretty much two years because of all the COVID delays. Um, so I guess I'm just going to open up the floor. Um, for those of you who have seen it, because I don't know if, if everyone has, uh, yeah or nay, did you like it? What's your general feelings about the Black, Fiddle, the Black Widow movie in general? Um, how you feel about how you feel about the character, Scarlett Johansson, et cetera, et cetera. The floor is everybody's. 
I liked it. <laughs> I went to go see it on a Thursday when it came out. I think it was like one of the first uh, showtimes that they had, and I had a really good time. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a little bit serious, but a little funny. Um, and we finally got our Black Widow movie, so I was, I was just really excited. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a lot funnier than I expected it to be. Yeah, me too. Uh, Florence Pugh there, like, stole the show with how funny she was throughout it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she, uh, it was, I was just happy it was as funny as it was, but also, as you were saying, as serious as it was. Yeah, no, same. I, I loved it. I, I feel like I'm expecting to not like it. It kind of felt like one of those we did it ages ago. It, 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 there must be a reason it took so long to, well, other than you know the obvious reasons, other reasons why it took so long to get to us and stuff. And it's like, eh, I'll watch it. It's probably just going to be you know your average MCU installment. But I came out like really surprised. I was like, yeah, same. I was like hyster hysterically laughing for most of it. Elena definitely, definitely was like the standout character. Um, and I didn't think the action would be as, I mean, I feel like I should have assumed, but I didn't think the action would be as good as it was. Some of my favorite, like, fight scenes I've seen across the MCU. Uh, it, it, it was a movie for me. Uh, it was, it was just, it was just, a, uh, for me, it was just a run-of-the-mill Marvel movie. So enough that I could enjoy it, but I'm, I'm definitely like, I should have had this movie 10 years ago. Um, the action was better than I thought it'd be. I was just expecting a lot of scissor kicks from Black Widow, which is fine. Like that's her stick. That's her thing. Right. You know, so, um, but it was good. Y Yelena Florence Pugh definitely stole the show. Um, and I can't think David Harbour, is that uh, his name? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was good as Red Guardian. He was, he was fun. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go and give my thoughts. Um, I actually, I, I will agree with uh, Tyrell. I went into it going like, all right, it's going to be another Marvel film. And I came out, I'm like, oh, you know, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I respected that they tried to kind of tackle human trafficking a little bit, which is not something that I would expect from a Marvel piece. I mean, it was still a little like Disney-fied because they didn't really go into... They, they had tidbits here and there, but they didn't go to a ton of details. You know, it's not an HBO show, but um, that was a joke. Sorry. Um, but I, I thought at least like having, I thought at least, you know, kind of bringing up that idea in a mainstream movie that a lot of people are going to go see. I thought it was a pretty good decision. I mean, we can talk about it. I mean, we've talked about like stuff like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like we feel like Marvel's finally starting to dip into social issues and social commentary a lot more than they did before. Um, and I would agree, yeah, Florence Pugh and uh, Red Guardian were great uh, as well. Um, one character I want to bring up, because uh, I want Chris's opinion. All right, Taskmaster, how do we feel? It's probably the most controversial thing coming out of this movie. Taskmaster <laughs> in this movie is different than the comics. In the comics, he's pretty much a dude. He can copy people's fighting moves. He tends to talk a lot of trash. And... This movie, and hopefully, if you haven't seen Blackwood, hopefully, hopefully, I'm not giving the whole like movie away for those of you who haven't seen it. But that is not who Taskmaster is in this movie. Taskmaster is a certain character that we think is dead. Turns out to be Taskmaster. It's revealed at the end of the movie, and some fans are upset that you know it's not comic accurate. 
I tend to, th- I don't mind the twist because I think it fit like what the movie is trying to Thank do. But oh, did I freeze? Sorry. Yeah, you yeah, froze for a few seconds. All right. Well, it happens. Um. Yeah. So I guess I'll. Um. But yeah. So pretty much, uh, one of the storylines of this movie is that like Black Widow. They finally reveal what happened in Budapest, which is essentially when she defected from the Russians, the shield, she blew up her, like, um, she blew up uh, Drakov, who's sort of, like, in charge of the Black Widow program. program. She did it by, like, I think she put a bomb in, like, his daughter's backpack. So, essentially, she killed a kid, and it's, like, her, like, greatest shame or whatever. And it's revealed that the kid actually survived and became Taskmaster, who was an assassin that they've been fighting like this whole movie. So that was a twist. Um, Chris, I want your, how do you feel about it? Because I know uh, I was excited for Taskmaster going in and you were like, oh, I don't know. So what, what were your thoughts? Um, yeah. Uh, well, OK, so here's the thing. They didn't kill Taskmaster, right? So that was, that was the first thing I was like they're going to end up killing Taskmaster and it's going to be another one off villain. They didn't, but also I don't think Taskmaster is going to be a villain anymore. So it's just kind of like, eh. you know, um, I don't care that Taskmaster is a woman. There's just, you know, that segment out there. There's just like, they changed This is, you know, uh, what rampant phys- feminism, I think is the term that I see out there. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, who cares about that? Like if that is your one critique of, Taskmaster, then you like the force diversity. I'm sorry, yeah. I hate when people say that so much. Um, it's also, it doesn't really make sense as well because the reveals at the end of the movie. So, like, if you did like Taskmaster all the way up until that, <laughs> like, that's to change my mind. All of it was awful. Like, that doesn't really make sense, right? And you know, some of the stunts were done by a man anyway. So, you know, like, see, see it's fine. Um, <laughs> I don't think though that taskmaster needed to have a personal connection to natasha just for the simple fact that because you had drake off there and then you had you know yelena and the rest of her family like that's all the personal connection you needed so i don't think when you have the physical main physical antagonist versus the main antagonist overall that they didn't need a personal relation because otherwise people are comparing it to you know winter soldier with steve and bucky and then you have um, Robert Redford's character, whose name I can't remember right now, um, being, you know, the head of, of Hydra. And it's just like, OK, I think don't give us that twice, Marvel. We, we, you don't need it, especially since, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to get more of Taskmaster later. And it's like, do I really want that? You know, she, she's been a victim of, you know, brainwashing, having no agency. And now they're like, let her have her peace. You know, don't don't go through a second Winter Soldier because with Bucky, we knew he might become Captain America maybe later or, you know, as now he's going to be like the White Wolf, probably. So, you know, just like let let that character have her piece. Yeah, I mean, like the comparison to Bucky, um, like I, I felt that as well, like the sort of it's kind of the Winter Soldier thing almost beat for beat. Um but I, what I wish they had, had done, at least with the reveal, because I didn't mind it being like Draco's daughter. It got to a point in the movie where it was like, you're working extra hard not to tell me Draco's daughter's name, almost like you don't want me to make any connection, like Antonia to Tony Master. So I, I felt like that was almost, it was a reveal waiting to happen. But I kind of wish what they did, they did similar to Winter Soldier is that just reveal who she was earlier like rather than saving it for like the big third act final battle reveal thing because like say like winter soldier 
I mean, half of the fans watching it, you know, the comic fans immediately going in knowing it's Bucky. So I was like, you, you, you're not fooling anyone. This mystery mm-hmm. isn't going there. Um, so they were like, oh, yeah, it's true. Halfway through the movie, the reveal's done and the movie still has like the good, you know, 50% of it left. Whereas they trying to, they kept the mystery of Taskmaster the entire time. So it's almost like the anticipation built up really high just for that reveal. So I don't mind it being Draco's daughter, but I was like, it, I don't think it needed to be a mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beyond that, I didn't I didn't mind Taskmaster like overall. Like she wasn't the worst villain. My main gripe is that I think the trailers gave away too much yeah. because all the people that she imitated in the trailers is exactly what we saw in the in the movie. Yeah, like Hawkeye shot the Black Panther shot, and then the Captain America shield stuff. And then the Hawkeye one bothered me as well because she only had one arrow. It just it was the one and I don't know why she had a. a a mechanical bow in her like Mary Poppins back back rucksack thing <laughs> for one hour and I was like that's that's my Hawkeye move like like a video like it's a video game she just like ran out of <laughs> experience to take the next shot. I think the thing I liked about Taskmaster was the costume design because you couldn't tell yeah. that she was female the whole movie. So mm-hmm. I really kind of liked that they did that because a lot of the times a lot of the female characters' outfits are hypersexualized, like mm-hmm. not so much in the mm-hmm. MCU, a little bit, but it was kind of neat to see that it was Antonia. So I like that. Yeah, I, re- I I do remember some people being mad that the the costume, like the mask, like it wasn't you know the strict skull, like the goggles, and I was like, do do you really just want her, her to have that cloth mask over her face, like? <laughs> You know, like these things are cool in a comic book, but in real life, they're not very practical. Exactly. I say that so often. Like a lot of the MCU can get scored after being like, why do they make things so like realistic? Why can't you just be like the comics? Like some things in the comics would would look very goofy in the movie. (laughs) And it just wouldn't work the same way. Um, A lot of like Loki's more uh, eccentric nature in the comics had to kind of get watered down through Tom Hiddleston's very smooth performance. A bit because on screen, you, you know, his costume would look like classic Loki, which is funny as a throwback. But in a giant Avengers movie, you'd be like, "What? What is this?" Mm-hmm. I mean, even in uh, even in WandaVision when they did the Halloween episode, well, everybody's seen it. I know you guys have all seen it. It was still like, you know, the costumes were goofy. You know, that's kind of the point. Um, one thing I also wanted to mention too was so. You know, the whole, like, Budapest thing, it's weird that, like, so when they mention it and like, I think Avengers 1 and Endgame, it's, like, this jokey thing with her and Hawkeye, like, oh, yeah, remember that crazy adventure? And then in this movie, it's revealed, like, it's, like, in, in this movie, the way it's portrayed, you know, uh, Black Widow's, like, you know, she's, like, it's, like, her, pretty much her greatest failure, which was, like, killing a child. She's, like, upset by it. So it's weird that, like, it was portrayed in other movies like a joke, and here it's just, like... Oh yeah, you know, I I killed his daughter and I'm still not over it. It's kind of like I, I feel like I don't know. To me, I feel like they could have had it line up a little bit better. Like I'm like, where was the fun part of that uh, mission? The, we didn't get any of that at all. So I thought mm-hmm. that was a uh, thought that was a little strange. I think it was just like the the part where they were hanging out, like in the the duct, their duct, but they had like the little. Uh, Tic tac toes and like the little drawings and stuff. But maybe, maybe it was probably that. <laughs> yeah, 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 most likely. Like one of those things. Yeah. Like part of that kind of bugged me, not because it happened, but more so because we didn't get to see it. 
I think was my issue. It was like, I, th I think it was when she was um, outside the, the big building and she was like on the radio to someone. I, mm -hmm. I think that was supposed to be Clint talking yeah, to her. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I watched it in the theaters and I ended up watching it at home with the the caption and it was Clint. It's a Clint. Yeah, right. And I, I, th I thought it sounded like him. I was like, okay, cool. We're going to see Clint in this because this is Budapest and we're going to finally find out what happened. And I think especially because of Avengers, in my mind, I was like, okay, this is going to be, there's going to be some sort of similar mm -hmm. firefight, maybe not aliens, but some sort of like similar callback to that moment, like just those two against a thousand or something. Um, but then just the whole building explodes and then every, everything else was just kind of told to us. It was like, yeah, and then also Clint and I had to go fight our way out of Budapest and also me and him were in this safe house and also me and him were in the event. And it's like, I, I don't know, part of me thought maybe that they, um, they filmed some of those scenes, but they had to cut all the Hawkeye scenes for time or just to make the post credit scene more impactful. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, it, was like, it, was, it was almost like something else. The Budapest thing felt like there was supposed to be more in there and it was just kind of yanked out last minute. No, yeah, I thought I was going to see Clint too uh, in some sort of like flashback or something. Like I was so sure of it, but then it didn't happen. Um, and then for some reason, I was thinking of like, we would maybe see Cap at the end, just like a little glimpse. Like, I felt like someone was going to, like, someone we knew, like, a character we've seen. Um, mm -hmm. Like, a familiar face was going to pop up, but we, did, we didn't. But it was, it was okay. I mean, at the very end, almost felt like that was, like, especially, I think it was when, like, Ross and those guys were, like, surrounding him. Yeah. Like, How are you going to get out of this? I thought, like, Sam would just fly in and grab her and take her away, like, like, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah. gone and I'll be, like, that would just be, like, a one and done thing. Um yeah, I agree. I thought there were a few moments where I thought they would appear. Then part of me thinks like, I get it, it's Natasha's film. You don't want to no, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's also, the ending also kind of confused me because, you know, it was like she's going off to go, you know, help save the Avengers. But at the end of Captain America Civil War, we just see Cap breaking them out of... Um, yeah. So it was uh, like, okay, did she go pick up Cap? And then like, she's just staying in the ship while Cap gets yeah. there, like, you know. They probably have like weighing in the car while he does, while he does it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just wasn't sure. I was just like, all right. Um, I also wonder how much of this movie changed because, yeah, we did have, you know, the pandemic, but also, you know, Jeremy Renner has been in, in controversy with, I, I don't think it was his, maybe his ex-wife or something like that, so I wonder if they cut some of that out for that. I mean, we're still getting the Hawkeye TV show, but you know, and they might kill him. You never know, right? They might, might you know, kill him. Elena off might, you know. I mean, we get the post credits, but you know, we'll see what happens. No, yeah, I think Florence is. She's confirmed to be in um, in the the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, What's I was going to get to the. Uh, so I mean, the post credits in this one was uh, it's after like the snap, and I mean, it's after Endgame and everything. And Elena's at uh, Natasha's grave, and then. <sighs> what uh, Madam Hydra? What's her actual name? I I keep forgetting. Contessa Valentina. Something Deep Fontaine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah, see, see, we got it. Teamwork. I just keep calling her Madam Hydra because that's who she is. Yeah. Pretty much, <laughs> Yelena is going to be hunting Hawkeye. It looks like, and it looks like that's happening in the Hawkeye TV show. And the Hawkeye TV show is about him training um. Kate Bishop to be a successor. So, I mean, he could die. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. But um, it was very... I will say one thing about this movie is that it definitely felt... 
after getting so many movies that were like you know connected to other things this one definitely felt a lot more self-contained where it's like okay you know where it happened you know there's not there weren't a ton of like avenger references like you might have gotten i think in certain other things i feel like in this one they really wanted to be like okay this is scarlett johansson's last movie let's give it to her and you know make peace with it so we can move on. And I mean, I think for the most part, they did that. I just think, like Chris said, it should have come out earlier, probably after Civil War, before Infinity War, even then. But even then, like every movie was like, we got to get to Infinity War. So I kind of get why they didn't do it then either, you know. Although I think I've only talked to Julia about this. Like, so I saw spoilers for this movie like a year ago. And only two were wrong. So, like, the, the Taskmaster twist, um, the, or, like, that whole, like, little storyline, um, like, her having to, like, break her nose to break that control, like, all those, like, some of those details were all, like, in, in the leaks. The only ones that, there were two that were wrong. One, it said Taskmaster died, and the other one was saying that the post credit scenes included one where, um, uh like hawkeye's family was having like a funeral for uh natasha you know that's crazy because like you were telling me all this and i was like i didn't hear any spoilers (laughs) the only thing that i knew was like the trailers and then like the clips that they were uh that the disney account was like putting out like leading up to the movie like like a week before and i was just like how do you know all this (laughs) I, think, I never knew anything for the past two years. I think with Disney, just Disney in general, like outside of Marvel, of their major like projects and like Star Wars and Marvel, the mm-hmm. only things that haven't really been leaked or spoiled have been the Marvel TV shows. You know, yeah, there have right. been theories that have been you know, like guessed correctly, but like an Endgame got leaked, Infinity War, Rise of Skywalker. Um, Endgame and Infinity War was heavily because of the cost. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Mark Ruffalo just running around. (laughs) All right. Zany, before, I know everybody's here for Loki. So um, (laughs) (laughs) I I wanted to get Blackwood out of the way. All right. Do we have any other uh, closing thoughts um, about the movie in general? Does anybody have anything Um, else? You know, I mean, the the I just wanted to address like the idea that like, it should have it could have come out um, after you know Civil War. I think that's like the ideal slot for the movie. But like the more just as we were talking, the more I think about it, the whole Nat being on the run from like Ross and Shield and stuff had very little to do with the movie. So in my mm-hmm. mind, come out in Phase One, like just immediately after Iron Man Two. Oh, I need to go back and deal with something with my family. Just. <laughs> None would have been the wiser. You just cut out like little connecting scenes with Ross. The movie would have lost me ten minutes runtime, max. Right, and then honestly, you could have done a. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, sorry. Go. No, go. (laughs) No, I I was gonna say I agree with um, everyone saying that the movie should have came out a lot earlier. Um, But I think if the movie had maybe come out uh, in like the earlier years, it wouldn't have tackled such like. serious issues like human trafficking and like femicide and all these sort of things mm-hmm. um but i think disney's doing a better job uh i think as christopher said earlier about talking about social issues um so i think i think it was it was good that it came out this um around this time 
So that that's connecting with I was going to say. So imagine if we got like Budapest as a movie in phase one. And then now you get like in between Infinity War or Civil War and Infinity War, we got this movie mm-hmm. or Taskmasters afterwards. So you had those breadcrumbs from before and now yeah, you have their movies on the run. But it's like so, you know, Ross is after her, but also like Drakov with Taskmaster. And so then you have all that. Yeah. I mean, phase phase one was um, I was, that was, that was shaky times behind the scenes for Marvel anyway. They had some problematic people making decisions. <laughs> And Cromwell. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's the um the weird separation between Marvel TV and, and Marvel Studios, the mm-hmm. the you know, five white male Avengers and their female sidekick. It, it, this is a Joss Whedon hate account. I'm all of those guys. Yeah. They're not they're not around anymore, so we're we're good for like actual good movies now. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, our, okay. So we can go to our main event for today, the Loki show. All right. So um, I, I don't even know where to start. All right. So um, I guess I can give the general plot outline and then we can just dive into it. So general plot, general plot line of Loki is that during the Avengers Endgame, the Avengers go back in time, they uh, screw up, and the Loki from the first Avengers movie from 2012, he takes the Cosmic Cube and disappears. When Endgame came out and that happened, they didn't follow up on it at all. Everybody was like, are, what are they doing with that? Like that, you know. Then once they announced they were doing a Loki show, people were like, oh, it's going to tie into that. So this show follows that Loki. He, um, I don't know, he goes to like a desert or something like that. And then he is... Uh, taken by this organization that we haven't seen before called the TVA and the TVA is uh, they're essentially time cops their job they're essentially time cops and multiverse cops their jobs are to go around time and space and essentially I mean I'm trying to even think like what their Chris their singular goal right is to they want one unified timeline right so whenever Mm -hmm. something diverts from that timeline someone does something they shouldn't things of that nature they will usually take that individual and um, they what they get put on trial and most of the time get sent to the void, right? It's a general yeah. idea. So we're following that Loki. He's taken um, and essentially before, instead of sending that Loki to the void, they decide to keep him around to help him um, deal with another version of Loki, a variant Loki and variants are like, Variants are different version. Variants are essentially like a version of a person that shouldn't exist. Um, so they're using the 2012 Loki to help deal with the Loki that's supposed to be easier and I mean supposed to be more evil. Um, he team Loki teams up with Owen Wilson, who's essentially like a. Um, I, would he? Would you? Would you think he's like more of a detective? Would you say because he doesn't really fight, right? He's not yeah, one of the fighters yeah. of TVA. Yeah, the oh. by the books detective in your cop movies. Yeah, Mobius is sort of like a he's like a detective, and they and that's essentially how the the show um kicks off. Um, so before going deeper into it, um, I guess what are everybody's thoughts on the Loki show in general? Like the premise when you saw the trailer, what did you think? When you heard there was a Loki show, is this what you imagined it was going to be like? Um, I guess we could just dive into everybody's thoughts. So uh, the floor is yours. <laughs> Volunteer victim. 
Okay, I'll go. I <laughs> absolutely am uh, just super excited for this. Like, I love Tom Hiddleston's portrayal of Loki. I think he does a very good job. Like, it wasn't a super popular character with the first Thor movie. Like, people noted him. They thought he did a good job. He had a lot of emotions. And he played the character well, but he wasn't standout until Avengers. So for them to kind of pull that Loki into this show just shows how well he played that character and how much people really loved it. So I'm excited about, I was excited about it from the first announcement because one, I love Tom Hiddleston, but the character itself is just so much fun because he's basically just chaotic. So you never know what you're going to get out of him. So it might be, you know, nice Loki helping you out, but there's an ulterior motive. So it's, it's fun. That's what I liked. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, so a lot of people are kind of debating like what type of Loki we got in this show. Like, did we get, you know, Avengers maniacal Loki? <clears throat> did we get like a uh, secret agenda Loki from like the first Thor movie? Did we get like, self-actualized, self-realized Loki from, like, Ragnarok. <clears throat> I think we got arguably my favorite Loki, which is um, weirdly controversial because it's Thor the Dark World Loki. But, like, he was genuine. He, was, he, was, he, he cared about his mother. He, he, everything about him was, like, pure and honest. But at the same time, he was a dick. Like, he was still screwing with Thor throughout this very serious mission. He was kind of, a, like, a goof. And all the while, no matter how serious he got, he still had an ulterior motive where he was going to fake his death and like take over Asgard anyway. Um, and I think that's the most like unpredictable Loki we've had. And that, that energy I think we got in the show. Um, and I'm glad we did. It was kind of neither, it wasn't too good or too bad. It was just like, he was just mysterious the entire way. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. I love character, character led stories in general. I think that's why like these Disney plus shows, I've loved all of them more than most MCU installments because rather than, like, I mean, to use, to use your words, Chris, like, rather than catering to, you know, main, the mainstream audience um, with, with the, like, how the movies do, like, you know, they sometimes tackle serious topics, but they are still trying to make everyone happy. They're kind of just being like, okay, forget all of the fun, you know, MCU, razzle-dazzle, connected to the wider universe thing, and just focus on the character, understand the character a bit more, you know, with WandaVision and, and Falcon and Winter Soldier, like, tackle serious issues like grief, uh, like social justice and stuff um, as well. But then with Loki, like, uh, like you're saying, like she, he um, isn't a character that we got to connect with a lot. Like we get bits and pieces of him tangentially to someone else's story. But like, I like just zeroing in on him. That does, like my favorite episodes are the one that were just like solely about him, like learning about who he is. It's good for you. I loved it. Yeah, same. Absolutely. Um, Loki is definitely a character who contains multitudes um, and so many elements of his being just contradict each other. Um, and so I'm sure we'll get into a conversation of how his character grew and developed over the course of this show. But um, no matter what, like, I think we did see some of that nuance there and that shifting multifaceted personality. Um, which was great. It's what I love about the character. Um, and, and I'm coming from a similar um, position of I've, th this, this character is the reason I became a Marvel fan when I was 14 years old. Um, I was just completely taken in by him and have been ever since. Um, and so getting to watch a whole show just about him and explore his personality and his 
trauma and and just who he is a little more has been such a delight. I really enjoyed the show. Um, I don't think I was uh, like a huge Loki fan um, with the movies. I did like the character, but I think watching the show more and just like, uh, as Harry said, like zeroing in and like on the character, um, I, d uh, I definitely do like him a lot more now. Uh, it was very interesting to see him uh, in his like journey. Uh, so, I when when uh, Loki first disappeared in Endgame, and I was just like, great. <laughs> so I was like, I thought we were done, but apparently not. Um, so then they announced the show, and I was like, all right, let, let's see what we got. And I saw some of the clips, and I was like, okay, you know, I was, it's not like I wasn't gonna watch it. Um, so uh, I watched it in the first episode. I was like, okay, second episode, okay, third episode interesting fourth and fifth episode i was like kang is coming <laughs> <laughs> and then so like since i knew jonathan majors was gonna be him i was like i'm on board show show i was like are we gonna get him at the end of episode five we didn't okay next episode um so yeah i think it was it was a fine show i um i think you know sylvie is great Sylvie's a great character i think sylvie for me was better than uh tom hiddleston's loki um uh for in this show in this show but i think i like this version of loki better than other versions of loki that we've gotten in the uh movies so far because this is focusing on him versus focusing on thor featuring loki or thor and loki and their relationship um this is loki and who he is and how he t and why he ticks the way he does yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the show uh, a ton as well. Um, definitely, I wasn't the hugest Loki fan going into it, but I was still excited just because I figured that they were going to... My prediction was they were going to use this show to kind of kick off some of the other stuff they're going to do in Phase 4, which they did, so I was um, pretty happy and pretty satisfied. Um, I really... I mean, the first episode I immediately liked. I liked that Loki essentially had to, like, watch, you know, his main timeline versions, like, life. And he had to see that, like, oh, man, you know, you got your mom killed. And then, you know, he's super sad about that. And then he keeps watching. And it's like, oh, well, I kind of make up with Thor. And then, you know, I'm kind of... Maybe I might be one of the good guys. Oh, oh no, I'm dead. So <laughs> I, I actually enjoyed... I, I really... I love... That was probably one of my favorite scenes of the show was him just watching his whole life and you actually get to see him emote and you know yeah. essentially what they tell loki is that you know he what you know loki wants to be king he wants you know he essentially always just wanted like his father's like love and to be respected and be seen as like thor's equal but essentially they tell him like dude your destiny is like he's literally there so that other people can be greater like he exists so mm -hmm. the avengers have someone to fight and form so I thought um, I thought pretty much saying that and exploring that was super interesting um, and definitely one of my favorite parts of that first episode. So I guess we can get into, I segue into um, a couple things. So I think first, how about how about we talk about Sylvie? Because I feel like the Sylvie-Loki relationship, the Sylvie-Loki relationship and then the Loki-Morbius relationship probably sort of the core of this show. So we can talk about we let's talk about Sylvie for a minute. So we're so at the beginning of the show we're told there's an evil Loki variant, and then we find out that it's a 
female version of Loki, uh, who, who calls herself Sylvie. She's kind of like a combination of the Lady Loki they've done in the comics with a little bit of Enchantress, I think, right? So um, mm-hmm. she's introduced, and then Loki and her kind of get some alone time with episode three, I think, mm-hmm. where they kind of get to hang out and bond. So um, what do we think of... And we, I mean, we, we're going full spoilers here. So what do we think about Sylvie as a character her relationship with uh, Loki, um, some of the controversy, just how do we feel about that? Okay, I'll go first again. Um, (laughs) So I really liked it. I liked the buildup to uh, our normal Loki, like meeting her and not trusting her and her not trusting him. And then them building a tighter relationship as the time goes on to the point where our Loki feels like he can trust her and, you know, they kiss and it's kind of weird because it's kind of narcissistic, but it's, I mean, it is him, but it isn't him. So, but then for her to betray him at the end is like, you can see him having that mental breakdown where he put his heart into this person, talked to her about love and said that love is a dagger. And to have that dagger just like thrust into his heart at the end was just so gut-wrenching for him. The other thing I kind of liked about Sylvie, besides the relationship there, was her character design and her costume design. I love costume design. Like that's something that's really big. I love that they basically put her into the Avengers Loki costume. And like she had made the comment that this costume is very uncomfortable when they were doing that whole blanket scene. And from Tom Hiddleston, he has even said that was the most uncomfortable costume he's ever worn. So it was kind of like a meta throwback for me. So I loved it. But what was cool about her costume also was, I don't know if anybody looked this up, but the costume designers actually designed it that it had zippers on the side so Mm -hmm. she could breast pump and feed her kid. It's like, this is amazing that Marvel is starting to do this to start to design these costumes to actually help the uh, actors and actresses. So I really liked that about her and all of her costume designs. It's amazing what happens when you have more than just white men behind the camera. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like Sylvie. Um, I cosplay Sylvie, (laughs) or sort of, kind of. Um, I I found it very interesting. kind of was okay with her relationship with Loki, but I think when the kiss happened, I was kind of just like uh, a little taken back. <laughs> um, but I, I think I kind of understand why she did it. Um, and it felt like uh, it was more to like maybe distract him and it was uh, a little bit more serious for him than it was for her. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed her character. Um, I do also enjoy her, her outfit, her costume. <laughs> I wish we had gotten the chance to spend a little more time with Sylvie. And I think in general, mm-hmm. that's my, I'm not yet convinced that this show worked as a six episode series. And I know we are getting a season two, um, but the, the pacing did feel off to me. And part of that is that Sylvie had such potential when she was introduced in the third episode. Um, and For me, I'm not sure all of that potential was fulfilled. Again, because we're getting a second season, it's very possible that she's going to 
be developed further. Um, and I'm really excited to see that because I like her a lot. But I think I wish we'd spent just a little more time with her, getting to know her. Um, I think it makes sense that we didn't in episode we didn't learn a ton about her in episodes three and four because she is being um, very reserved. Like she knows that um, it's a tactical disadvantage to be quite honest, to like be as open about who she is and what she wants as Loki is in those episodes. Um, but I just wanted more of her, which I guess really speaks to like the quality of her character um, because I, I did like her a lot. Um, although I, and this might come up a little bit later in the episode, um, but if this was their way of introducing gender fluidity, I wish they had not. Um, <laughs> this is, you know, something um, something about Loki as a character that means a lot to me, and um, I knew better than to get my hopes up about really, like, thoughtful... Um, representation of non-binary identity but I got my hopes up anyway and unfortunately was sort of disappointed by what I saw um but it is what it is and and again what I probably should have expected from the beginning you, you know what I was surprised that we didn't get was a from Sylvie's perspective episode maybe like in between like three and four showing how she got to the um Roxa, Roxon March, uh, the, the Walmart chain. I'm mm -hmm. surprised we didn't get like, and then just leading her up to that point. So then we could see like when she got snatched, what has she been doing? Like, when did she figure out how I needed to be at these like uh, extinction event points to survive? You know, all of that. Um, it seems like that could have just been, you know, you could have made the seven episodes and it would have been fine. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I feel like what what bothered me in in that respect in in episode four, it felt like it was supposed to be a Sylvie episode until it just like it wasn't like the open one, you know, like Asgard like coming in from the back of Asgard, seeing it from Syl Sylvie's perspective, and she gets she's a very for some reason she gets taken away, and I was worried similarly they were going to be like you're a variant because you're a girl, it's like that defeats the purpose of the gender fluidity. But they didn't say it explicitly, but I'm holding out hope that that's just not, that isn't the reason. Um, but I figured when she asked that Ravona was just going to say, you're a variant because of your next event was this, you're a variant because of this. And we learned little to nothing. And they left it mysterious, implying that we're going to explain it later. Only to now know we're probably going to explain it more in season two, I guess. Um, but in terms of the narrative they were telling for these six episodes, I agree. It, didn't, it felt like maybe one extra episode would have been great, at least just to either just crack into Sylvia a little bit more because as much as I really loved her I didn't empathize much with her by the end because I didn't mm -hmm. I didn't fully grasp what she had lost mm -hmm. it was like okay like Loki was taken away but he didn't lose that much he was, he was just lost this is the Avengers he wasn't gonna fall that much further he didn't feel like he was being taken from anything whereas Sylvie we see she was taken as a child so it's implied that she lost her entire family but who was her family? Like, I guess she was uh, in o she was in Asgard, so I guess Odin was her dad. Um, but like, did she have a Thor in that timeline? Um, a Frigga? Evidently, she didn't have a Frigga, so I don't know. I just I didn't know enough about her to know what she lost to, to see what was actually driving her. It was just like she was driven by revenge, and we're told she's driven by revenge. Um, and I guess a similar crap that I had with Black Widow. It's a, it was a lot of tell, don't show, and I much prefer you just show mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
that being said, I did enjoy Sylvie as she was presented like with by Sofia Di Martino. Episode three in particular, I think was my favorite Sylvie episode, not an episode in general, but like how she behaves and how like Sophia played her was just really it, uh, the only comparison I can make is very Doctor Who esque, very flamboyant, energetic. Like um, the way she bounced off of Tom, of Tom Hiddleston, like their dynamic just felt very much like that sort of sci-fi buddy cop. I, I really, I loved their whole dynamic that episode. Um, I didn't really, in that episode, I didn't really feel a romantic connection, which is why the four, five, and six is that all, all of a sudden they're in love situation kind of caught me off guard. Um, and that could probably be akin to the the pacing of the show. I was just like, all of us, like now they're in love. Um, and now they're kissing. And like, oh. it, it felt really one-sided, like the love aspect. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was more uh, like Loki just having the feels and then um, Sylvie just being like, this is all business. Like this is what we have to do and like sticking to yep. the plan. Um, but do they do the, the six episode uh, thing for a reason? Does anyone know? Well, in my mind, they they planned because they planned one division for six episodes too. And but then, then that one was like, I think nine. That was nine. nine. They made it. You can kind of feel like where the last three episodes in the spot, like, all right, you probably wanted to condense this, but you just knew you couldn't, so you had to. Try it out. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, because uh, from what Sharon was saying earlier, um, like, like it could have expanded more, and I felt the same way with um, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, how it could have been expanded more. Um, but yeah, I think it, it could have definitely expanded more on Sylvie's, like a just like a specific episode for her. Um, but would it also, I think for your question, like for what she lost, was it like the, I guess like she was um, taken, like the potential of having uh, lived a full life, maybe that's what it could have been? Yeah. Like, I, she was I, so I, upset I, about? Yeah, whenever it was asked, it was like, I didn't get any of the, the great things that Loki had. I didn't get the brother, the... Mm-hmm. The Asgard the throne, whatever. Like I didn't have any of that. I felt like that was all implied. Mm-hmm. Um, but for her to be like fully be like, I'm going to destroy this entire bureaucracy because of it. Um, it didn't. Even the the scenes we see where she's in the TV very briefly and then she somehow disarms a grown woman. <laughs> just <jets> out. <laughs> and um, I thought, all right, they, the TV didn't do much. Like they took you away. Yes. Yeah. Like. I thought the TVA were like gonna, I don't know, torture her or, or show her the, her future and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. Loki was like, here's the judge and now I'm gone. And it just, I didn't feel like that damage had been done. I couldn't feel everything that she was feeling. Um, but yeah, I ran with the assumption that it is because she just didn't get a life. Like her, basically her entire mm-hmm. was erased. Yeah. Uh, which I guess by the end, she basically, he essentially brought back to life her, her reality by by killing uh, He Who Remains and just creating a multiverse. I guess now her universe probably just does exist. Uh, but I don't know. It, it confused me. But yeah, what, my, my, one of my personal gripes overall was the gender fluidity thing. That that bugged me because it, it felt like they were going to do it. And then uh, the fact they got to episode five and there were, someone in the writer's room was like, we made a mistake. No. We're, it's, we're just- <laughs> it's so frustrating for me because... Um, Obviously, I know that they're not, like, adapting the source material of, like, the Loki comics directly, of course, but this is something that very much exists in that source material. It would be possible to just ignore it. It would be possible to use it. Instead, they decided to directly sort of shoot it down with that line about, have you ever seen a woman, a version of us before? And they're all like, no, that's terrifying. 
why was that necessary? I don't understand why they needed to include that line. And even in episode four, when Sylvie is explaining that like, oh, well, all this happened because she was born the goddess of mischief instead of the god of mischief just seemed like they really needed to reaffirm for their audience that like, this is a cis woman. This is a biological cis woman, Mm -hmm. which um, again, just felt like unnecessary and almost, and I know this is just me being too sensitive, but like kind of mean, kind of like, oh, you guys were expecting this? No, 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 it's not for you. Yeah, in the same episode that they were just like, yeah, it's an alligator, Loki, no one better than I live. Like, what do you mean? He's an I would, he has to. <laughs> I, would, I would just say I would definitely agree with all you guys. Like, if you're going to do the multiverse with like infinite possibilities, like there's only one female counterpart and not like you would think that, and it is like, yeah, you got the alligator and it's like, oh, there's only one female counterpart. And you're like, really? So I would agree. I, I would definitely agree with you guys that that was a. Um, uh, it was it was just a strange it, I don't know why that just had to be there. The only the other thing I want to mention is that I mean, so this is the show so Loki does so this is the show where they confirm that the lo- version of Loki that we know is by he, they mention it. How I guess it's kind of a weird question to ask, but so this isn't technically the first LGBT character that they've had in a Marvel show. The first person was a uh, one of the Russo brothers <laughs> at um, a self-help meeting with Cap and Endgame, which was, that was really just like, it was such a Disney thing to do to like pat themselves on the back for doing the bare minimum. But this show was like, okay, we'll make one of our, more of our main characters, you know, we'll, we'll you know, we'll have one of our main characters identify as bisexual. So how do we feel about I mean I guess how do we feel about how that that in this show because I feel like they definitely just did not do anything with it you know it's like a line that Loki has where he mentions that he's bi and then they move on to the adventure and I feel like again we're kind of talking about show don't tell a lot I think that it should have been shown more that he's attracted to you know both men and women you know so that was my opinion and I'm a straight dude so I my opinions are I'm not the expert by any means, but I just thought it was. I just thought they could have done more with it personally. Yeah, because the one thing is, it'd be one thing if Loki was a character that we saw express romantic, um, you know, romantic options in in previous, you know, iterations of the character, but we we really haven't. So they throw that line in there, and they're like, check, move on. Yeah. Well. And I think the only time that they kind of show Loki doing that was his interaction with Grandmaster in Ragnarok, because they're like throwing eyes at each other the I've whole seen time. That movie once. <laughs> okay, you should watch it again because no. Grandmaster is very like suggestive to Loki the whole time, and he's like not denying it. So because you kind of see that when Thor asks about him, so it's there a little bit. But I always I have to remember this is Disney; they're not gonna do that. Like. A little bit here and there, but they're not going to until it becomes significantly more acceptable. But, you know, that's unfortunate that it's not. So this is well known. Sorry for for cutting you off, but this is well known on to the podcast listeners. I do not like Thor Ragnarok at all. I don't like it on my plane. I don't like it. Chris is the only person in the universe, in the multiverse, that probably doesn't like Thor Ragnarok. (laughs) It usually hits most people's top five favorite MCU films. It's in my bottom. You're alone. You're you're alone on that one, buddy. I'm sorry. 
That's fine. I'll stand alone. <laughs> um, but yeah, on the topic of Loki's bisexuality, um, like I, I definitely want to say, obviously, a person does not need to end up with someone of the same gender in order to be valid as a queer person or a bisexual person. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I also think we have to cons- like, I, th- I think we need to take a step back and maybe standardize our definition of what representation means because bisexuality wasn't really being represented on screen. Right. Um, again, it's a show don't tell issue. And even the phrase we get, um, well, you must have dated, you know, princesses or maybe a prince and he says a bit of both well i've dated both men and women but i'm a lesbian that's true of my experience at all but you know i'm not bisexual um and so the question for me becomes what is actually being represented and what way is bisexual identity actually being represented and i also think we you know exactly what um libby was saying earlier like this show was created within a cis-heteronormative context. The presumed audience of this show is a cisgender heterosexual audience. Um, in general, Disney is going to make choices that make that audience comfortable. That's what they did. That doesn't mean that the choice is wrong. It doesn't mean it doesn't work for the character. It doesn't mean it doesn't work for the narrative. But like, I do think it's important to just remember that this is the context in which this thing was written um, and decide from there how we feel about it. And obviously we're all going to have different opinions on how we feel about it. And that's fine. That's valid. And we're each speaking from our own experience. If uh, no one has seen Fern's like series throughout Loki's uh, run, you should because it is just. Thank you. I'm having fun with it. Also, I have to add a correction. Um, Valkyrie was technically our, our first um, LGBTQ representation, although they cut the yeah. scene that explicitly stated it. Mm-hmm. I I found so I follow uh, Kate. I followed Kate, Kate Heron for a little while. The um, the director and on Twitter, like the minute the episode dropped, she like did a post saying uh, that it was like kind of a vested interest of hers to just fully make it like canon and stated facts that Loki is bisexual. And in, in terms of like a narrative of a show, it's, you know, it's not going to be as easy as just have, like, writing a line in the scripts where Loki just says, I'm bisexual. Like he's not, you need to make, feed it in naturally. So uh, I, the line, you know, a bit of both, I think though, wasn't, you know, explicit the way it was presented. I very much love the idea that you know, they made the lighting in that room the, the the bisexual pride flag I like that that added touch um, and then her immediately going on being like it wasn't said but he is the bisexual that was um, personal interest of mine to make sure it was stated so I re- I really appreciate that that um, though it makes me think had she not been the director because that because his bisexuality was not even remotely addressed in the show like you said the show was very much geared uh, from the lens like cis uh, cis hair it. Um, it makes me think if that scene, that conversation wasn't in there, the show would not have changed one bit. Mm-hmm. Think, all right, though Marvel are giving their directors and writers and the more creatives, the hands-on creatives, a bit more uh, control of what happens in their pieces rather than just the execs telling them what to do. Would if had you removed Kate Heron, would we have gotten that representation? And then similarly with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like had you removed uh, Martin Spellman as the writer, would we have gotten the more explicit uh, conversations around race? Um, so, you know, it's almost like 
I, I don't want Marvel to feel like they're patting themselves on the back because they they had confirmed Loki's bisexuality the same way I don't want them to pat, pat, pat themselves on the back for addressing that rape, you know, accepting that racism exists or that it's hard for a black man to be a superhero. Like, don't want them to be proud because I don't think that was actually a Marvel thing. I think they just allowed their creators behind the scenes to try and just put these things in because they get, like, the people, the individuals care about representation more than the giant conglomerate that just cares about the money of their widely cis-het audience. Because mm-hmm. even if, you know, people want to be like, oh, well, that's doing too much, you know, like, A, Loki's not straight in the comics. Loki is gender fluid in the comics. And then if you want to go to Norse mythology, like, Loki, what well, Loki's given birth to a serpent, Hela, uh, an eight-legged horse, and Fenrir the wolf. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what you you saying, like, it's doing too much. Like I mean, he's species be- fluid there. Right. <laughs> you know? Just in terms of the fluidity as well, just to point out, this is what kind of added to the confusion around the like them surprised about uh, a female Loki is that there was a like an explicit document of Loki's that said sex fluid. Okay, cool. Why all of them them surprised that there's a female version when your sex you yourself are fluid? Like, why? Well, there's an alligator right there. <laughs> <laughs> And you know that, and it's like okay, you're shapeshifters. So if you, well, at least two of them are. Like if you, if you're shapeshifters, you can easily shapeshift into any gender that you want to, as yeah. well as any creature. So it's like, how is that just? So that, it's another example of like I feel like that was that even that document was probably a creative detail that either whether it was Kate Heron or someone in the design team was like just put that on the document. No one's gonna say anything. It's fine. We want the representation. We want it to be confirmed. Um, but again, had you removed that document, no one would have batted in that. Like it doesn't affect the, the plot of the show, which I think is quite telling to how Marvel are handling it. It's almost like, yeah, you can have it in as long as it doesn't bother the main piece that we're trying to tell, which I think can be quite lead to some roadblocks. And I'm not really fully like you know seeing what every other creative of the of the, the show has said on it. But I think I've, I've noticed that sort of pattern with. Uh, with Marvel in particular, and other properties, but Marvel in particular, I've noticed they've, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll talk about these issues if it doesn't affect the main story that they're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the frustration for me is, if not in the year 2021, like, you know, we've been doing this for a while now, and if not with Loki, who is such a queer character in the comics, but also, like, my... Um, the series I've been doing is about just how his story, even in the MCU, really resonates with queer narratives and queer themes. If not with Loki, then with who are we going to get really meaningful representation? Jazz is saying in my live that uh, Valkyrie is supposed to be getting her queen in Thor Love and Thunder. So <laughs> and that's, that's, that's a direct quote from um, from Tessa Thompson. I get yeah. like, this is again because you know, they did remove the scene in Ragnarok. Even with Valkyrie's representation, it's a push specifically like that Tessa Thompson really wants, wants in there. I'm sure Taika and the rest of the multiple people, but as far as we know, that Tessa Thompson is is pushing for for that being in there. And you can argue the same with Black Widow. A lot of the the, the scenes, a lot of like um, Yelena's scenes with. Um, I was going to say that before uh, when she's talking about like the hysterectomy and everything. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was. Um, it's like it makes you think of like is Disney and Marvel moving actually forward because the original pushback for that line for for when Florence had said the whole 
uh, hysterectomy thing and like she's showing this with her hands. Um, it was because one of the writers had said, oh, is it like because of your period or something? And that was just going to be it. Yeah. But Florence had really pushed to have like her her uh, her snapback at like at uh, uh, David um, because it was like, do you not know anything about the widows? Yeah. Uh, do you not know about their like their history? Um, but also like it's a uh, yeah. <laughs> um but uh no but yeah like that was just i think that was like unnecessary um but i did like that florence had a she really pushed for that uh scene to happen yeah it's just one of those like other examples of that confuses me that's just like okay these great leaps uh that we see are happening like i love a lot in, in you know loki in particular um especially how they kind of how they addressed it though i wish they kind of represented it maybe more explicitly um i love that they're doing it but I really hope that the appreciation goes to the individuals who made those decisions rather mm-hmm. than Marvel did this, you know? <sighs> All right. That was good. Good job, everybody. Glad we had a good panel on. Um, all right. Carefully so, selected. Carefully selected, exactly. Um, yeah, you guys all definitely all had great things to say. And I mean, I think the general message is that they're inching in the right direction, but they can do a lot more and they can do a lot better. Um, for sure, I don't. I, I I'm curious of what really is holding Marvel back. Is it the writers and directors, or are there you know suits at Disney that are like, well, we can't do this or this can't happen? So I mean, all we can do is kind of advocate and push for them to do a better job. And there are opportunities, like you mentioned, come down the line with like, okay, they can do more Valkyrie, or if they do the Young Avengers, I think uh, either one or both of Wanda's sons are gay in the comics, I think. I think one is gay and the other is bi. Yeah, okay. If I remember correctly. My mistake. So there's opportunities, um, hopefully, in the future. But as always, um, we'll see what happens. So, um... I know we've been talking for a while here. I wanted to make sure that we got to all the other characters in the show. So I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to shout a character's name and we're going to give our thoughts in five minutes or less and then move. All right, Mobius. How do we feel about Mobius? When is he getting his jet ski? Exactly. (laughs) Liked him a lot. He was a lot of fun. Love him, yeah. yeah. He didn't say wow, though. <laughs> I, I I, think this is the uh, variant of Owen Wilson that doesn't say wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that he can sort of see through Loki's lies and see through his BS at the beginning of the show. Like, that's... So I just... Um, I should have read it years ago, but I just read Agent of Asgard. Um, so, mm. you know, in that series, Verity Willis, Loki's best and only friend who can who, who can see through any lie. I think he needs someone like that in his life, and Mobius isn't exactly that, but he does sort of have that ability uh, to know when Loki is not being completely honest, and I loved that dynamic. Yeah, he's, he's the perfect foil for Loki. In my mind, like, he literally just represented the audience. It's like he, because he basically seen the MCU and he's binged it 20 times. So he knows everything. <laughs> uh, even if you see like a Loki variant, he's like, yeah, no, it's fine. I know you. Like, I, no matter how you can be an alligator and I still know you beat for beat, it's fine. I love just that. Especially the, the irony that like Owen Wilson himself knows nothing about the MCU. It's just cool. <laughs> Like <laughs> he portrayed himself as just like an, a like a low key nerd really well. I liked him. I enjoyed him. 
All right. Uh, next we have, um, we, we can talk about the TVA in general for a minute. So we can talk about, uh, we talk about Mobius. I'm talking about uh, Ravana B-15. Um, so yeah, I mean, the TVA, they're like time multiverse cops. I did like how they were kind of portrayed as like an old school, like bureaucracy. Um, mm -hmm. I like that the Infinity Stones or Paperweights pretty much telling the audience like, yeah, these don't matter anymore. These MacGuffins Thank aren't important. God. Yeah, they're, they're moving <laughs> on. Yeah, so um, how do we feel about uh, Ravana B-15? So B-15 is sort of like a TVA agent that um, Sylvie gets to remember that, like it's revealed that all the agents are actually variants that are plucked. So kind of the story that, that this told in episode one is it's partially true and partially fake. And um, B-15 is kind of the first one that finds out that that realizes that she is a variant and starts to question things and and then we have Ravana who's introduced to us as like a judge type character and then we learn that Ravana knows more pretty much than everyone else but I don't believe I don't know if she knows uh we'll get to Kang in a minute but I don't think she knows Kang's identity but she kind of wants to keep up like the act of the TVA she wants to keep things going she does not want you know any sort of rebellion or any sort of a change to happen so uh what do we think about those two characters uh, i i think it's interesting to note that besides mobius anyone at the tva we regularly interact with um is well b15 ravona renslayer and c20 are all black women yeah i forgot about c20 yeah mm -hmm. yeah definitely the tva is a black business black owned business we'll get there in a second <laughs> Yeah, you throw in like um, like Casey in general, just like this whole company's got more diversity than like most companies in the entire world. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I like Verona though. Um, I like Verona and B fifteen. My 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 issue with both of them just stems from what we were talking about earlier. I wish the show maybe had a couple more episodes because I wanted more of them. Mm -hmm. uh, Fifteen in particular, when when Sylvie like reads her mind, or like she goes in her mind and shows like her happy laugh, it's like oh, like it, it, it kind of felt like you know you had a heart all along, Tin Man. Like it felt like there's something in there. Mm -hmm. She's she seems all stoic, but she's got a heart of gold. I wanted to know more about her, um, especially like the, the scenes where Mobius and B fifteen. I thought they were gonna like just go in and just like completely wreck shit at the TVA. I thought they were, I was gonna see a, a big Mobius B fifteen team up. Um, and it was just a couple scenes with them. Um, I did, I, yeah, I just wanted I wanted more from both B15 and Ravona. Ravona seemed interesting, um, though I feel like her whole identity was to be set up for season two. Uh, but didn't mind her whole mystery. Like, she kept us off mystery the entire way through and like, just kept that train right to the end. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I liked that about her, like the mysterious aspect. B15, just, you know, she was another variant. She was, she was the regular person. Same with C20. So I wished we got more of them. I wish they didn't kill off C20 also because I thought Sashley did a great job too. Um, I was hoping that like, I was hoping Ravona was lying that she just didn't kill her and she's just in a prison somewhere. Um, but yeah, just I w a little bit more of those characters for a character focused show, a couple more episodes wouldn't have hurt to get like the same way we kind of, we got to appreciate Darcy and Jimmy and Monica. I mm -hmm. wish we could appreciate Ravona and B15 and C20. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, I like them both and C20. Um, but would C20 have gone into the void? Yeah. Did they prune her? Or did the, well, they it, just said that she died. Or like yeah, I think had... they showed pruning her before, like, it popped, like, the, the mm -hmm. video cut out. 
So she could be alive. Yeah, so she, she's probably somewhere hiding. Um, oh, yeah. Hopefully. Um, but no, yeah, I, uh, I agree. I enjoyed them both. Um, I also agree that, like, I wish, like, we maybe saw how they got there or, like, how they became variants. Um, I think that would have been really interesting. Um, but definitely needed, like, another two or three episodes for them. Um, I always thought just Ravonna was a little sus and, like, she was very, very mysterious. Um, and... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I liked how, uh, like Ravona didn't necessarily know Kang, or at least it didn't like reveal that she knew him. But it seems like she's going to go meet him in season two, at least with like the information that was presented to her by Miss Minute, like scary ass Miss Minute there at the <laughs> end. <laughs> Um, but hey y'all uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I like that you know we're gonna see more of them because of that because there's going to be that season two so I'm excited to see how they develop in season two yeah yeah I definitely I mean I I definitely want more of both of them especially B15 like she's my whole heart right now um and i'm hoping to see more of her um and and have her really have a moment to shine in season two um what i find so interesting about both of these characters um I, i've heard people describe this show as in some ways symbolic of like religious deconstruction and like um or recovering from religious trauma and they each react so differently to discovering that what they thought was true is maybe not, you know, maybe it's a lie, maybe it's fake. Um, Ravana's instinct is to double down and to say, well, we need to figure this out because this has to be true. This is our life. We need to find out who's really in charge. Um, whereas we see something completely different from B-15 and Mobius who want to just leave that all behind. Um, and I love to see... Um, specifically narratives around like religion um which I, I think it's the tva is not a religion and also it is um simultaneously um I, I love to see how different characters react to their experiences um with with religion and with like i guess hegemony as well but yeah not sure where i was going with that but i would love to see more of both of them in season two Yeah, I would, uh, I would definitely have to agree with um, pretty much everything you guys have said. Um, I, I guess what what we'll what one thing um, we have to go into next. Uh, so um, all the other Lokis. So this is pretty much all episode five was just meeting all the other Lokis uh, really quick. So we got a kid Loki, we got an alligator Loki, we got old Loki who's like dressed like classic Loki from the comics. We got boastful Loki, we got a president Loki. Um, there was a frog Thor cameo, which is pretty oh. funny in that episode. Um, what do we think about the alt Lokis in general? Do we felt like, um, do we feel like I, so one, one, I was talking with my friends yesterday and he said he felt like they could have done more with the alt Lokis instead of kind of cramming them all into that one episode. Um, so how do we feel about the alt Lokis in general? I honestly loved all the alt Lokis, but this is coming again from costuming and uh, cosplay perspective mm -hmm. of this opens it up that you can do 
any version of Loki or any character within the MCU and just claim you're a variant. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, straight, you know, you can do your own version and you're correct. And I, I love that this is knocking down the gatekeeping and cosplay. So it's a good point. I mean, I, I agree with that. I did not think of the internal cosplay. That's amazing to think about. No one can ever, if I put horns on, no one can say, but look, he's not black. Yeah, that will never work anymore. Um, I, I I, kind of agree that they do somewhat under you. I loved how they were presented in the episode. I thought like making them, like making the majority of them kind of just like comic relief was great so that they could focus on classic. Um, as like, I guess what the main mom was, was supposed to care about of the lot. Um, I do wish they, Maybe, maybe if all of them had maybe helped out in the final battle against Elias, um, yeah. like kind of you see, see all of them kind of pitch in. Because I guess the, the implication of that, that little mini uh, Loki brawl was implied like, not all of them are as strong as others. Like most of them were kind of just like scrapping and getting flung around to the side and swinging off of vines and stuff. Like, you know, it's a varying degrees of power. Um, but I wish all of them kind of took part. Like, it would have been great to kind of see an homage to that. Um, the Mighty Four comic where like it was all the multiple Lokis and that weird little vision thing um, teaming up against, well, in that case against Thor, but in this case it would have been against Elias. That would have been fun to see like them kind of a unity in the fact that they all uh, just want chaos. You know, once they, they learn they, they want to take down the TVA, I felt like it should have been like a universal thing. Like, actually, yeah, like, there's, one, there's one person in the world I can trust. It's myself. So yeah, let's do this. Um, but for it to, you know, there was a lot of like, oh, we might learn a bit more about Kid Loki, and then he he goes away. We might learn about Alligator Loki, and then he goes away. Mm-hmm. Like it was almost, and then no payoff. But I've seen a lot of heavy theories that um, that classic Loki uh, faces death. So I'm, I'm riding on that and hoping he comes back in season two. Yeah, me too. Um, and it's like with everything else in the show, I just wanted more of them. I I really I think I wish that this show had been like a traditional like. 22 24 episode um season but it's okay um i think that from now on whenever i'm sad i will just think of kid loki holding alligator loki like it's a, <laughs> like he's a baby uh and i will be yeah. happy again we need that funko pop yeah <laughs> i was thinking of that that meme of like kevin hart just like called it up so don't touch it <laughs> <laughs> there's an artist that i follow who um uh, uh, made a well, she, I guess she has it in production now. It's a, it's like a five foot long, big, wide <laughs> alligator Loki, and I just, it's kind of expensive, and I really want it. <laughs> but it's so cute. Uh, it stimulates the economy. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan of alligator Loki. Um, I will say that um, I did want uh, more episodes with them. I, I really like them. Um, I did have like, I was like panicking at like the, I think it was episode five or maybe four or five at the end, the post credit when they all pop out, pop out. Um, I was just, I was crying. <laughs> I cried for that episode when, um, when they pruned Mobius, but then I freaked out even more when they pruned Loki. And then I was just so, I was just shocked. And then having seen them, I was like, I just, it was a whole, a whole experience. Um, but uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I think um, it is like pure chaos with them, um, and it is kind of just like part of them will like you know that you they will uh, uh, betray each other because 
that's kind of in their nature to do. Um, and then part of them will, will be helpful um, as we see the Loki have his redemption later on. So, um, and I, I think that was a classic Loki just was amazing at the end of uh, yeah, episode five. Cool. All right, so um, I guess we can go to the the big reveal, the thing that everybody's talking about at the end of this show. So, gonna do a story time for everyone. So during WandaVision, um, there were the theorists kind of went crazy with that show, right? Everybody wanted Mephisto to show up, and everyone's like, "That flies, Mephisto! What is that thing <laughs> in the corner? What's going on?" And then at the end of that show, we did not get Mephisto. So um, people were upset about that. People were disappointed with WandaVision's ending. I think that that's a deep. Like, I think the, the sentiment of WandaVision was that it was a good show, and then like the last episode, kind of uh, people kind of wanted more. So when Loki rolls around, there are, there are hints to Kang pretty much throughout this show. I mean, Ravonna Renslayer is I think Kang's love interest in the comics. So people mm-hmm. figure like, okay, Kang has got to come at some point. They had cast, um, they had cast Kang for the new Ant-Man movie, but we had no idea if Kang was actually going to show up in the Loki show or not. So, um, you get to this, and so people were debating up to episode six, like, okay, well, who's going to be in the tower? Is it going to be Kang? Is it going to be like another version of Loki? Like, what's going on? And me personally, I did not think they were going to do Kang. I was like, they're not going to do it. We've already been through this with WandaVision. I've had my dreams crushed one time. And we get to that last <laughs> episode, and like, Miss Minutes is scary, pops out of nowhere, pretty much is like, you guys can still turn back. And they're like, nah. And then. What was it? An elevator that he that he uh, showed up in, or was it a door? Mm-hmm. I forget. Yeah, it was an elevator. It was an elevator that opened, and uh, we see he who remains, which who is essentially um, and a variant of Kang, the a, a variant of Kang, essentially like the nicest one according to him. Um, so we finally do have a version of Kang in the MCU. Um, how does everybody feel? About the reveal, where was that? Did you expect to see King? Did you expect something else? How did you feel about, um, I guess, just the reveal itself? Because it was a big deal. I'm excited that it's King because it just gives them a lot of possibilities. I also like that it's Jonathan Majors playing him. He was great in Lovecraft Country. Like, that show was just amazing on its own. But uh, to have... Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, (laughs) But to have King this version of Kang show up and like you said, be the nicest version. It's like, what are the possibilities for all the other ones? So I, I'm excited for the MCU to get weird with it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I like what it, what it sets up for the future of the MCU. I, in general, because of his performance, like I, like similar to you, Chris, like I went in just being like, it feels like it's going to be Kang, but I'm like, are they just doing too much with the Easter eggs? Because I feel like, as someone who like prides himself on finding Easter eggs wherever possible, like I was like, oh, maybe one too many Kang Easter eggs. Like, okay, I reckon he'll get after a Thanos-style post-credit smile to the camera, like "see you next time" kind of a thing. Didn't think they were going to go all out with it, and in a sense, they still kind of did. And I think they they very much went Wizard of Oz route, where it's like, okay, what's the most exciting thing you could think of, and then the most underwhelming way you can do it, but still make it good. It's like I'm kind of Kang, but also I'm not. I'm just some guy. Like I'm, I'm just some dude. I'm, I'm not. I'm not the one that conquered all of the worlds. I'm not the one that's like murdered a bunch of people. I'm just some guy. I'm some. I was a scientist. I'm like <laughs> the twenty first century. I, found, I discovered uh, time travel, and then I figured some stuff out. And here, here we are. Um, so I, I liked that. I liked that Wizard of Oz 
um, homage. I, remember, I for some reason I, to this day remember remember the first time I watched Wizard of Oz, um, and I like I was really somehow impressed with the reveal of it just being some guy. So seeing, <laughs> I don't know, full circle. I was like, oh, cool, like could just some dude, um, and he portrayed it so well. Like I love Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country in general because Jonathan Majors like killed it in that too. But like he, he's more eccentric. Uh, like again, just that flamboyance, that energy, the almost camp way of portraying it was just, I thought that was perfectly done. Definitely sets up a lot for the finale. I, my, I was running with the theory that it, it could have been another Loki variant. I partially still kind of wanted it to be in terms of like a full circle narrative sort of thing. Cause I feel like the narrative didn't come as full circle as I might have wanted it to for Loki, for the show for sure, but like for Loki's character development it was like it felt like five episodes worth of character development and then a question mark because they'll continue it in season two mm-hmm. uh, so i kind of wish they kind of wrapped up the narrative of him before jumping onto the expansion of the mcu or whilst doing it even uh but regardless what what, what i got i was not disappointed by it, per se so yeah, definitely it was the highlight of the finale for me. Um, just that whole performance, the whole the fact that it was a conversation um instead of a, a big battle at the end, um, which there is part of me that's like, all right, they're patting themselves on the back for that one. They feel very proud of themselves for, you know, having this sort of twist and what we expect to see from a Marvel show. Um, but I thought it was just so well done. And even though there were parts of the finale that didn't hit for me personally, that whole sequence absolutely did hit. For me, leading up uh, into the episode for the week, um, I was kind of going back and forth with saying it was Kang, mainly because of having Ravona there. Because um, I was like, she's, because I'm like, I'm not too familiar with Kang, but I knew that she was like his love interest. So I was like, if she's there, it, almost kind of has to be King. Um, but then I was going uh, back with uh, it being, uh, I think it was King Loki, because I think we had seen like a little clip of him like in a trailer or something. So I was like, they have to maybe put that in. Um, but I I had the ending spoiled for me, um, but I watched it with my boyfriend and he was like, he was shocked. He was like, oh my God. So, I, um, so that was that. And then, uh, I what Fern was saying with the whole um, it being more of a conversation than a battle. It kind of reminded me of um, in the Matrix when Neo speaks with like the art uh, the architect. It was kind of like that like uh, intense moment, but it was it was kind of calm at the same time. Um, so I did enjoy that, um, and I think it, I I kind of liked that it was King because it it would it will lead into like uh, a different uh, into the into the multiverse and like with different versions of him. Um, and yeah. <laughs> um, you were saying before, like, um, like the the religious sort of uh, comparisons between between the, with the show. Um, I couldn't help but like just think of him as this whole ep- that this whole episode I saw was like a little Garden of Eden like situation. Uh, like him just appearing with an apple. Oh, yeah. In my mind, I was like, why is he? He's just eating a grain. Yeah. Like, so strange. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I was like, oh wait, it's kind of like a, it's, it's a temptation thing. So the whole, I kind of watched it through the lens of like he was trying to tempt them to do something. Um, and then kind of like that way and seeing how he was just tempting them, to, like temp- in particular tempting Sylvie to to betray Loki, tempting Sylvie to to kill him. Like he wanted Sylvie to kill, to kill him. I don't think he actually wanted them to take the deal. I think he, he secretly wanted Sylvie to kill him so that this whole cycle can continue and then he end up right back there yeah. over again because he's not a very 
time. Yeah, he's uh, trying to tempt the snakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the irony yep. there. Yeah, and then and then you know Loki being the, the Adam of the situation literally got booted from the garden. So I thought that, that the metaphor can have been more uh, nail on the head if they if they tried. So, uh, but yeah, his there were so many little moments where he was just like kind of just pushing Sylvie, like Sylvie, can, like, can you really trust him? You know, like the way he slid the little the temp pad forward. I thought mm-hmm. in the moment I was like, what's he doing that? And then the grand theme of things was like, oh, so she could reach for it later and kick him out. It was. Everything was just so perfectly executed with him. Even though mm-hmm. he was like, I don't know what happened, but he totally knew what was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. when, when he pushed the temp pad forward, it kind of, like, the way that the, the camera was set up, it kind of, like, when he was, like, leaning down, it still looked like he was in control, but that he didn't have yeah. the temp pad. So it was like, she's going to take it, but it'll it'll still be him at the end. Yeah. Like, it'll just, it'll come back around. Yeah, he was the last loss. Yeah. See you soon. <laughs> uh yeah i woke up to a text message from chris yep. he was like after you watch this loki episode you'll have a new cosplay and i was like all right that means king's in it and jonathan majors is there. <laughs> i'm so sorry uh, no you're good it didn't spoil anything i was still happy to see him and everything like that Oops. um and so you know uh, jonathan majors stole the show and give that man his flowers um, and I think, like it's been said before, the exciting part about having him there and with the multiverse being there is you could have him in various different projects. So he is like, let's see, phase, you know, the next phase is like big bad. You'll have him in Ant-Man 3. You can have him in Loki season two. You can have him in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness if you want. Like he can just pop up everywhere and it'll just be different versions of him. And as the war, you know, goes on, he could even show up in Spider-Man: No Way Home. My my running theory is that he's gonna like you know they're, kind of, they're, they're obviously they're not gonna do you know they can't really do Sam Stanley obviously after the the uh, the cameos since he passed since passing I think they tried to like throw in little Stanley Easter eggs here and there. Mm-hmm. And come mm-hmm. um, I think they said they they want to stop doing Stanley related stuff just so they're not milking his legacy. Um, but I I like the idea. I I want just got Jonathan Majors to just have a cameo in every, even if it's nothing to do with him, but he just pops up in the back of Shang-Chi, just like on a mountain somewhere. Like he mm-hmm. pop- <laughs> I just want to see just random variant versions of him just like peppered throughout the MCU. Um, <laughs> it all kind of comes to a head in that man. Just drinking yeah. his tea, watching everything going on. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know if y'all uh, watch the, the Arrowverse shows on the CW, but when they did their like prelude to Crisis on Infinite Earths, they had the monitor like show up in all the different shows like leading up to it. And in like Legends of Tomorrow, he just shows up. He's like they're all like at a circus or something. He's in the crowd like eating popcorn. <laughs> like just have cake do something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, they're they're fighting in a city in Spider-Man No Way Home. And you just see Kang sitting at a uh, like a um, at a table sipping some tea and then something goes past him and he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also want to say that uh, the TVA is officially a black owned business. So the company mm-hmm. potluck's probably really fun. Um, that cookout is lit. <laughs> more of I think one I forget which one of you said it, but it was like it's more diversity at the TVA than most companies. Uh, in the mm-hmm. U.S. and I'm like, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, so I, I mean, I really enjoyed the uh, the Kang reveal as well because I, I didn't think they were gonna do it to be honest, and I was like, oh shoot, they did it. It's crazy. Um, 
so um yeah so we get to meet so yeah we get to meet kang i, I like the impression kind of reminded me of like a willy wonka type deal um mm-hmm. so the implication at the end of this episode um sylvie and loki they have their kiss and then sylvie kicks loki out and sylvie ends up killing uh he who remains so essentially now uh the multiverse is back it's like growing out of control you see it both like kind of in like the space area outside the castle then you see it on the tva's monitor um so it, i mean it looks like this is probably the main probably the main problem that's going to happen in phase four outside of you know the individual like films and adventures that we're going to get and i mean the multiverse in general i tend to like only because it opens up it just opens up to door the the door to a like a large variety of different stories. You can bring dead characters back. You can take characters in certain places they might not normally go. I'm curious to see how far they're gonna go in these movies because you know in the movies you kind of you have there's always a part of them that they're gonna want general audiences to understand. And I mean, I mean, I got I got my parents in Infinity War, and I had to make them watch like a 15 minute recap on YouTube before we saw it because like they didn't see Guardians, they didn't see Thor, and da da da. da. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do uh, with the multiverse going forward. Um, and I'm curious too how much of like these threads are going to be handled in Loki season two versus like the movies. And you know, Marvel What If is coming out next month, which I'm assuming I've heard that it's supposed to be canon. So if it makes sense that Marvel What If will come after Loki season one as well. So what do we all think about um, these implications kind of getting into, I guess, what phase four looks like it's going to be about? I guess I'm really excited for it, especially with the new Spider-Man, how there's going to be all the different versions of Spider-Man in that, or at least rumored to be. So allegedly, allegedly, (laughs) you know, but that's exciting because then you've got like another like hop into the multiverse. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I'm kind of like I was saying before, glad they're getting weird with it. Like you go from this like very traditional first, like Tony Stark, Iron Man, where it's like, here's your character arc to now like, our heroes are kind of villains but kind of not so i like that it's gotten different more depth to it and like you've grown with these characters over you know 10 plus years that these movies have been out like the first one came out when i was you know right at the end of my college year so it's been fun to see this growth to see that they were able to build this whole universe and people are like yeah i'm along for the ride I think after watching the the finale, I was like, I immediately screamed, like, we're getting all the Spider-Mans. Mm. <laughs> um, I feel like if they don't do it, it's definitely a missed opportunity. Um, but I feel like they're just, oh, that's not going to happen, but it's it's just going to happen. Um, I think, uh, I think it, this is going to tie in with What If in some sort of way, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and this also, I guess, ties into the post-credit scene with Wanda in WandaVision when she hears her, her kids. Um, so there's probably like a, some sort of timeline branch that happened that uh, I guess her kids didn't, I guess, uh, essentially die. So that's going to be very interesting to see. Um, yeah. Yeah, Spider-Man. I think, <laughs> I really think what if they are the branches that we see veer off all out of control. That's what I think the what if ep- episodes are going to be. Yeah, yeah, I think so too, yeah. Yeah. 
I'm hoping like the what ifs can bring in some of the the mutants. It'll be you know more so than Wanda and uh, oh, yeah. Pietro mm-hmm. there. I I want to see if they can bring in some of like the X Men and whatnot with that, and maybe start introducing that whole aspect into the MCU. And, I think and with that Deadpool, would be fun. maybe too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had that Deadpool and uh, Korg, <laughs> Korg crossover. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if that works. <laughs> they should have. I don't know. They should have had that come out after the Loki finale, because then people would have been like, "Oh shit, okay, what are they doing?" But like, I don't know. That was that whole. That was just strange. I don't. I watched that. And I don't know what I watched. <laughs> yeah, but that's my favorite thing about the idea of bringing him in, like everyone's asking like how I would bring in like, the X-Men and stuff. And there's, there's different ways to bring in the X-Men, but with Deadpool, I would love if they just did not have an explanation. Um, he's the one person, he's, he's just naturally defies logic regardless. Everything about him doesn't make sense. All of his movies don't really fully make sense. <laughs> how he does it. And like, oh, yeah. he just, I just him popping up next to Korg, just I'm like, yeah, just bring Korg yeah, for the ride, that's fine. I love this. <laughs> Oh, I think it would be great if they introduced him into the Spider-Verse since he's got such an obsession with Peter. Like if like they're in like this major fight and all of a sudden he's just like, oh my God, those three Peters. And just like walks off screen after that, you know, just mm-hmm. woo. If, that would be great. If Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield aren't in that movie, I think TikTok is just going to crash. Because like my For You page every day, there's at least one guy like, here's how all the Spider-Men, here's how uh, Dr. Octopus and Electra are going to be in this movie. Well, there was, it was like, well, my uncle who works for Marvel snapped this photo here. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, if they're not in this movie, people are going to be like absolutely <laughs> devastated. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, we know Mysterio was in it because of the Lego. Le- mm-hmm. Lego's just spoiling things. It's not even Tom Holland anymore. They bring him back. Uh, yeah, apparently. So there's a Lego set. There, there are three Lego sets that got re- uh, released. Like one of them is in the Sanctum Sanctorum, so you see Wong and Doctor Strange, MJ, Ned, and Peter. Um, there's one where Peter's in the new, like black and yellow suit, where he's fighting. Um, Mysterio, and then I can't remember what the third one is. Like, we're just spoiling stuff. Marvel do anything leaks, though. I think they do decent because the amount of leaks that came out, but like all of those Lego leaks and not one of those leaks revealed Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Let's just tease them just a little bit. Let's just tell Lego then they slip a photo to some like random dude on Twitter. Like, it felt too convenient. Like, no, we don't even see who the main villain of the thing is in. The big Lego set piece—it's way too convenient. Yeah. It's just a side, the side Legos. I'm, I'm just, I'm just waiting to turn into J. Jonas Jameson, like with the Spider-Man trailer. I want Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, my, the, what if is my like, since seeing the most recent trailer, my most anticipated Marvel thing. I can wait for Shang Chi and Spider-Man and Eternals. I want what if so badly. Like Tony and Killmonger, that that just seems, sounds ridiculous, and I want to see it. I want to see Yondu and T'Challa. I want to see like Captain Peggy, like that. So excited. All of it. Just, <laughs> oh, and I, like, for some reason, Spider Man was in there just whipping something off into the distance. Yeah, it looks like so- a, there's like a Spider Man Doctor Strange like hybrid, and I'm just like, okay, whatever, whatever you guys want to do. And they have but, like right. zombie versions too. Yeah. I'm not ready for Chadwick's final performance. I'm not. Yeah. I'll probably cry. Yeah, I'm still still not over that. I think I saw an article. It's like Angela Bassett's like, oh, yeah, they rewrote the Black Panther 2 script like seven times. I'm like, I wonder why. 
Mm. Like I'm like, do they do they have a plan? I don't know. I I trust in Ryan Coogler. Hopefully they uh they figure it out. Yeah. Um. So I mean, we already kind of started talking about what if. Um. So this is just the last thing. A couple more things before we wrap up. Um. Anybody have any? hopes or thoughts for what ifs or even what ifs that you wish they could do that they maybe haven't announced. Cause I mean, what if they, I think it's going to be multiple seasons. So, I mean, they can milk that as long as there's movies essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love a what if civil war, just like if things happened ever so slightly differently, like what if like Wanda didn't stop that explosion and that explosion did go off, like would Cap have died in that, in that blast? Would Wanda mm-hmm. have died in that blast in, uh, Oh, were they Lagos? Like, mm-hmm. would that have um, how would that have gone differently? Or if, if she did uh, defend it, like, what if the sides were reversed in the Sokovia Accords and Cap wanted one thing and Tony wanted another? Or even if it still went the same way it did in the films, and like, what if Tony was able to kill Bucky in the end and capture Steve, and then that's it, and no one was able to break him out? Like, because Civil War, I feel like you know that, that you know intentionally divided fans between who was right and who was wrong. Was it, was it a good movie? Was it a bad movie? Did it live up to the comics? Did it not? All that stuff. Um, so I'd love to see like the slight tweaks to like, what if this happened differently? You know, what if the fans, what if those fans got what they wanted and this happened? Um, and then for, for such a, like a big 50-50 divide, kind of, there, there were so many work possibilities in that one film. I just love like, a full breakdown of what could have gone differently there. Mm. What if Killmonger succeeded? We don't, That'd be too dark. Marvel we can't. We, uh, that's Disney. I, I don't think they would do that. Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't do it. Yeah, what well, goes to genocide? <laughs> one, one thing I do wish they would do, I don't know if they'd be able to do it, but there was this comic book that came out, I don't know, maybe like 10 or so years ago, where it was set in World War II and T'Challa's grandfather met uh cap like the uh, nazis invaded um wakanda and tried to you know like take it for vibranium and so you have a team up between you know uh t'challa's grandfather i can't remember his name at the moment and then you know cap and be like we're not gonna get that now for two reasons but i would like to see it animated yeah i feel like the animated is a nice window to be able to explore more black panther stuff the difference change voice actor um so I'm still a bit like, I can't, like I, I appreciate that they didn't recast him in terms of keeping the the sanctity of the you know, Chadwick spirit going. But a lot of me still does want. I feel like there's a lot more Black Panther stories they could have told had they recasted, just in the most respectful way possible. Mm-hmm. And they still might recast him. Yeah, just maybe not for this one. But yeah, I'm wondering if you know because Marvel has been very very hit or miss with their animation over the past 30 years so is this finally going to be something that is just like this is good and it's not going to get cancelled like Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes I'm still salty about that DC just just has always had they've just had more consistently good animated shows than Marvel has but I'm curious like so I'm curious if this is the one that's going to help redeem Marvel um, we'll we'll see what happens. So I know this is the first one that like Disney had full control of. I think the previous animated shows they've had to like split it, like all their old, like the little short Spider Man shows they had, that cartoons they had, they had to split it with 
the various companies that were involved. So I think mm-hmm. creative control is a little bit messy. Like this is the first one I feel like, you know, Marvel Studios, Disney, they have more of a grasp of what they're doing with it. Um, so I, I, by that logic, I trust it will go down a lot better than say, there was like weird, I think the most recent Spider-Man cartoon, I just caught some clips on YouTube. It's like, what, what is this? This looks strange. Um, yeah, DC wiped the floor with them in animation in basically every field. I think the animation looks good for this show, so I'm excited. Um, I'm also just really excited for Peggy because she's one of my favorite characters of like all time. Captain I, Carter. I love oh. Agent Carter. I just I'm so sad that they she didn't get another season. I'm like they just completely cut yeah. it off. But um, uh, Cap is also one of my favorite characters, so uh, seeing her in that sort of storyline is it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Steve's a sidekick. Love it. I read that like her Captain Britain or whatever Peggy Carter is doing is going to be is there's like a cameo multiverse of madness but I don't you know I I try not to read the leaks too much because I'm just I feel like I don't know I don't know what to believe what not to believe Chris Chris the leak guy well, I'll just be reading an ESPN comment section, and there's the leak, like right there. And I'm just like, <laughs> I was gonna ask, you, was how do you find the leaks? Not... <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> so, um, before we wrap up for the day, uh, so we've so we've gotten our first three uh, Disney Plus Marvel shows. This is like a new thing. We didn't really know what to expect between WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Loki. Everybody can just go around. Which was your favorite show? You can say why as well, if you want. Okay, for me, I'm going to say WandaVision only because I had zero expectations for it. Like, when they announced WandaVision, I was like, what are they going to do with this? This just seems dumb. And they blew it out of the water. So for the fact that it impressed me as much as it did, that is the one that I liked the most, even though I love Loki. (laughs) So... For me, it's Loki um, only because it was always going to be Loki. It has nothing to do with quality. It has nothing to do with anything else. But like, I, I still am to this day. Like, I'm a Marvel fan only because I'm really invested in this character. Um, and so, yeah, it is not going to be any other. They could do anything in this show. And I'd be like, yes, it's still Loki. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think for me, it's Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, for probably no reason than like it has all like it was very much it feels like the perfect show for me specifically it had all of the things that I like buddy cop action got it like deep character like uh exploration got it um a villain that I actually hate rather than like which is a weird thing because I like liking my villains but like I very rarely hate my villains and if a, if a show can make me hate I, by villain I mean John Walker I didn't care about Carly but John Walker but if you can make me hate someone that much you've done a good job um <laughs> And social commentary as well, not a lot, but enough that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested that they explored this. Like, me, beautifully written, uh, well executed. I don't think it would have the best finale, but I think it was like, I, overall, like, I could easily rewatch that like over and over again because it just had everything that I wanted. And maybe love Sam. Sam is now one of my probably top three MCU characters. Yeah. Um, for, for, oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> sorry. Um, for me, uh, I have to agree with Libby. It was WandaVision. Um, I think after seeing all three uh, shows, I can definitely say it's WandaVision. I think WandaVision gave us a good amount of like real world uh, problems with like grief and trying to like get over like um, the passing of like loved ones um, and just trying to 
move forward in life, but also give you like the fantastical elements of it, like with her powers and like um, it being just her in like some sort of TV show. And also, I also didn't really know what was going to happen. So I think I was also in the same boat as Louis uh, with just not knowing what it was going to be. Um, and I really liked that it was it was her in her own reality and just uh, being played out as like a TV show. Um, and and yeah, I think, uh, yeah, so WandaVision was my favorite. I did enjoy all of them though, but <laughs> WandaVision was my favorite. Uh, for me, it's Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I think one thing that Marvel has done that is very impressive is that it made me care about Sam Wilson. <laughs> um, because honestly, like comic Sam Wilson didn't care, even though he, he's been Captain America for didn't care. But, you know, uh, I, I did care about him. I liked what they, they touched on in the show. They brought in Isaiah Bradley, um, which I didn't think they would do. Um, and so, uh, they, and the parallels between, um, Isaiah Bradley and Steve Rogers and their stories and how, you know, Steve Rogers was praised for what he did and Isaiah Bradley did the same thing and he was thrown in jail for 30 years, you know, it's it very reminiscent of American history and the inequities in the American justice system, which I wouldn't know anything about. It's not, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I do think they've done a good job with phase four with these TV shows. So, you know, kudos to you, Marvel. Yeah, man. You know, I asked this question and it's hard for me to pick out. So I'll say that WandaVision wasn't my favorite, but I, I liked the experience of watching WandaVision the most because you just had mm -hmm. no idea what was happening week to week and it had the most episodes. So it became like, well, it was like probably the first two episodes came out in one week. So it was like, what, eight weeks of episodes or something like that. So it was kind of like, it was just a fun thing to follow for a while, kind of help get me through the winter and the tail end of some of the really bad like COVID months so I mean it was the experience of watching WandaVision was fun especially following everybody on TikTok it was a good time um I would say as a show I would say Falcon and the Winter Soldier is probably my favorite show for a similar reason what Chris said I like that they brought in Isaiah Bradley I like that Marvel's finally talking about race I mean the scene where you find out that the Avengers don't get paid and Falcon can't get a loan it's like really so um I, I, as a show, was my favorite, but I will say that with Loki, I like that Lo Loki was a show where I felt like, okay, the MCU is really opening up in a really interesting way, because I will say that after Endgame, I was still like, okay, I still like Marvel, I'll go see Marvel stuff, but I was a little exhausted, and it was kind of nice that, you know, Spider-Man came out, and Spider-Man was okay, it was a fun vacation movie, and then we had a year of no Marvel stuff because of COVID, and now that we've had these shows, and we got Loki, and Loki's kind of, you know, sort of giving us a preview to what some of these other stories are going to be about, I'm back on the Marvel train, I'm super excited for all their upcoming projects. I'm just like, Marvel can just do whatever and I'll go see it, you know, Shang-Chi and Eternals and Spider-Man coming out this year. So I will say that Loki probably got me the most excited for upcoming projects, but Falcon the Winter Soldier as a show is probably my favorite. So I'm very indecisive, sorry. All right, um, so yeah, we're, we're, um, we're about to hit two hours, um, so thanks. To everyone who was able to be a guest on our podcast today, um, does anyone want to plug anything that they're doing? TikTok accounts, Twitter accounts, whatever, any upcoming projects, go go for it. Um, any of our guests 
if they want to do any plugs, shameless plugs, just go for it. Um, yeah, uh, Theories by T on uh, everywhere, TikTok, Instagram, on oh, YouTube is Theories by Terrell, but Theories by T just pops up anyway because that's how the internet works. Um, but everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, soon to be Twitch, as soon as I get my stream lab set up. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm at Always Fern on TikTok, and I have a podcast with my co host at Julia Christine 77 called Star Wars English Class. Um, and we are doing a summer reading program on TikTok right now. So if you're reading any Star Wars books um, and you want me to make you a sticker chart and give you a sticker for each one you read, please head over to at Swinglish Class on TikTok and join the summer reading program. I'm looking forward to the pizza party. We're definitely having a pizza party, yeah. Um, I am uh, on TikTok at Darth Juliet. I do like cosplays, um, other like fun videos. Um, I think my, I don't know what my next cosplay is going to be. Uh, right now I'm just doing Sylvie. Um, on Instagram, I am at Darth Juliet underscore. Um, I post a lot of like uh, details of like how I make my cosplays, like what materials I use, um, nerdy outfits, uh, and I think my next cosplay might actually be um, Captain Carter because I really want to make her her Union Jack shield. So I'll definitely def be documenting that on uh, on Instagram. So yeah, nice. Yeah, and y'all can find me on TikTok at still a secret for the podcast. Yeah, if you find me, good. <laughs> Good job, but you know, real life people, if you find me, good job. Otherwise, <laughs> see you out there. He who remains cosplay coming soon. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have any other closing comments or concerns before we sign off today? Hopefully, everybody had a good, had a good time on the show. Really appreciate you guys again for all coming on, being guests. And of course, you're all welcome back uh, anytime. Um, We'll probably do a what if episode, you know, sometime in August or whenever it ends, September maybe. Um, and we got all the movies and stuff too. So um, yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah, no, no problem. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, yeah, really appreciate you guys again. And until next time, I'm Chris. I'm Chris. And uh, live long and prosper. Everybody have a good day, good week, good evening. Whenever you listen to this, um, it's probably going to be out in like a week or so. So, yeah. For all time. Always. always. <laughs>